G'day and welcome to The Grass is Greener. My name is Tim Henry. I'm a financial advisor in Melbourne. And every week, my guests and I dissect your everyday challenges. We'll get you clearer on your goals and give you financial tips to make it happen. If this is your first time tuning in to The Grass is Greener, make sure you subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll automatically receive each episode as soon as it's released. G'day, g'day. Welcome to another episode of The Grass is Greener. I am really looking forward to today's episode and I'll tell you why. I love uh, talking about topics that affect a lot of people, impact a lot of people and today's episode is certainly one of those. The reason why most of us have superannuation but do you actually understand what happens within a super fund when a member passes away? Do you understand how the funds are going to actually be paid out to your loved ones? Have you actually even left a nomination with your super fund to instruct them how you want the funds paid out? Have you considered whether the people you're considering to leave the money to, whether they're even eligible? I wanted to get someone in to chat through this entire process and it is a process because it's governed by what is known as the Superannuation Industry Super Supervision Act and they call it the CIS Act and all superannuation trustees have to abide by this act. We have a guest from Australian Super, one of Australia's largest super funds. Peter Tresseter is the education manager with Australian Super and he spends a lot of time actually going out to workplaces and talking to people about super and educating them about all elements of super. Peter came in and kindly gave his time and I asked him um, to help take us through this process of firstly, um, super does not actually form part of your estate as a natural course of events. Um, the only way it can get into your estate is for you to nominate it for it to go there. What happens in the instance that no nomination is left? How does the super fund go about determining who should get the funds? Um, how you can actually bring certainty to that situation and that probably starts by understanding who are actually the people who are eligible to receive a beneficiary from super in this way and Peter talked us through that and he also talked us through the binding death benefit nomination. That's how you can bring that certainty and what's involved and how you can make it happen. It is really something that everyone needs to do and I really encourage you to listen to this episode. Enjoy the chat with Peter Tresseter. If you're looking for a community of like-minded people who are going on a journey similar to you, then I invite you to join the Grass is Greener Facebook group where you can connect, share and learn from other people just like you. I'm here today with Peter Tresseter who is the Education Manager for Australian Super. How are you, Ed, uh, Peter? I'm good, thanks, Tim. How you, how's yourself? Yeah, I'm really good. Um, and I'm really um, going to enjoy this chat today because 
it's not often that we get to chat um, to an actual super provider about um, some of the things that we're going to talk about today and, and that is specifically about binding or, or what happens with super and death. Um, but before we get on to that, um, I would love for you to just tell our listeners a little bit about well, what you do for Australian Super and a little bit about you personally, if you want. Um, yeah, well, I've been in Super probably for, for getting close to 40 years now. It's not too far away. I've been in the industry for 40 years. Uh, the last 20 odd of those with Australian Super and probably yep. the last 30 of those in a role uh, talking to members about Super, how it works, getting them engaged all, all around trying to get them a, a better return retirement outcome. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that education is done in workplaces and also in, in public seminars. So we're out there, there's a team of education managers, we're out there trying to just get people engaged with super so they understand it better so that when retirement comes rushing at them, because it does tend to, to rush at them, uh, yeah. they're a little bit, little bit more prepared. Yeah. And I think super look really is one of those topics that Oh, you know, I'm not sure if any of us have got it 100% nailed any time, have we? There's always, there always seems to be some little element that you go, oh, yeah, I never quite knew that or, or whatever. So it's just an evolution all the time. Um, so you've come on the last couple of weeks on the show, we've been chatting about a whole lot of um, things to do with estate planning. And this, uh, what we're going to be chatting about today, absolutely plays into that, about what happens in a super fund when a member passes away. When we're talking about issues like this, it is appropriate to have a general advice warning. That's right, Tim. So the information provided may include general financial advice, which doesn't take into account your personal objectives, situations or needs. Before making a decision, consider if the information is right for you and read the product disclosure statement. Cool. So let's just uh, have a chat about this because Super is for a lot of people um, their biggest asset. Um, what it doesn't naturally form part of someone's estate, does it? Uh, no. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the two biggest things I see when it comes to super with people is one, they think the system is more complicated than it is, and yep. they don't know when they do retire how the super system fits in with the government pension system because they're designed yep. to, to fit together to, to give you income in retirement. They're also unaware of what would happen if they were to pass away. Uh, where does that super go? Who does yeah. it go to? Who makes those decisions? So we do see a lot of not so much confusion, but just a, a lack of understanding of, of what the rules are. Yeah. And there are specific rules, and, and you touched on one of them. Um, your benefit, your, your death benefit from a super fund doesn't form part of your estate. Your, your super sits separate to that uh, under the, the legislation that, that super is all about. Yeah, no, so I think what Peter's saying there is, you know, if you had bank accounts, if you had... Um, some shares or or what are other assets um, and you passed away, well, naturally, they're going to get swept up and um, your will and your estate's going to say, okay, well, um, Tim or Peter owned that. Um, that's going to form part of the estate of assets. But super doesn't um, operate that way. It is separate. And hence, 
in separate instructions need to be left, don't they? That's right. I mean, with your estate, you can, I mean, it, it's broken up as per your will if you've got one or there's next of kin provisions being parents, brothers, sisters, accounts, uh, aunt, aunts, aunties, whatever it might be. And you can nominate anyone or anything. Uh, with super, there's only a, a small group of people uh, that can be nominated to receive the benefit. And that's that applies to every superannuation fund. It's just not Australian super. All yeah. super funds run under the same rules. So who are those people? Uh, well, this is a li this is a list, not a, a pecking order. So yeah. uh, you can nominate a spouse. So it might be married, yeah. de facto, same-sex couple. So that's one. Uh, there's five in total. Uh, another one is a child. Now, a child's yeah. a child regardless of age. So it doesn't matter whether they're 7, 17 or 70. They are still a, a child and yep. eligible to be nominated. So they're the, they're the main two that most super funds would pay to. They are. Um, usually the benefits paid to a spouse and children. We then get into some of the ones that are a little, not hard to define, but people don't understand what they are. And the first of those is probably the easiest of the two is a financial dependent. Someone who was financially dependent in some way on a regular basis to the member that died. So if a member had a, a spouse and children, but they also paid the rates, electricity, gas bills, insurances and everything for their grandmother yeah. living the other side of the country or even the other side of the world, yeah. uh, that person could be a financial dependent. Right. You then have a, a, an interdependent, but there's some interdependency between them. And the fifth one is what's known as the the member's legal personal representative, which mostly is their estate. So it doesn't go to that legal personal representative. It would go into that member's estate, what we were talking about before, and then the will or the next of kin provisions yeah. would, would deal with it. So Superfund pays it and backs away from there. So I'll tell you what's interesting about this, Peter, uh, is that I think we know that from stats that only 25% of Australians have a, a will that they would deem uh, valid and up-to-date. Mm -hmm. So that means that for roughly 75% of people, um, they can't just use that legal personal representative, can they? Because if you haven't got a will, um, it's not going to go to the will. That's what the legal personal representative is. So they're going to need to choose someone if they want to have certainty about where their money goes. They've got to choose one of those other four options. Yeah, that's right. And this is where, again, there's a lack of understanding of how the system works. So what people can do is nominate someone. And what then happens, that nomination is taken on board by the trustee. But it is this, at the trustee's discretion, again, this is under the superannuation rules, it's the yeah. trustee's discretion to find all potential beneficiaries. So if I just nominated my spouse, it's the trustee's job to find out if I had any of those other four. Did I have children, yeah. uh, interdependence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it comes back to the responsibility of the trustee how to determine where the money goes, which means in some cases, and this is what surprises and confuses people, sometimes member will nominate someone, person A, yep. but the super fund will pay person B. And of course, the member, unfortunately, is no longer around anymore. But if they're told that in one of yep. the education sessions, they're going, well, why? I nominated A, it should go to A. 
Yeah. Uh, they just don't understand the, uh, the, the, the rules around what a trustee is, is obliged to do. Why don't we, um, we were going to chat about this a bit later, but why don't we just put it on the table now? Because there's been a recent case and, and um, are you able to mention that case? I think. Oh, I think, look, <laughs> it may not be a recent case, but let's take a scenario. A where, scenario. Where someone has nominated, uh, has got a, a will, let's say, a valid, yeah. up-to-date will nominating person A gets their yeah. estate. But in their super fund, um, they've got a, they haven't made a nomination. Yes. The trustee would look to see of those five entities I spoke about before were about. And if they found a partner, spouse, de facto, whatever it was, yeah. it's, it's more likely than not that the super fund would pay to the partner, the, the partner, spouse, yeah. because... Yeah. First of all, they don't know of anyone else in that existence. Um, yeah. A super fund will look at a will for guidance because if a member dies and we've got no idea what their personal life is, a yeah. will might show us there are spouses and children and interdependent yeah, yeah. and financial planners, which helps our job. But in this situation, if A wasn't one of those five, uh, the super fund's going to pay to that that spouse, that yeah, de facto. That's right. And yeah. that is what the rules allow. There's nothing wrong, dodgy or anything. It's just the way that the system no. is set up. A binding nomination, as the name suggests, binds the super fund to who you choose, as yep. long as who you choose is one of those five criteria. Yeah. So when we look at, you know, and we might have listeners listening right now who are thinking, gee, I don't know what's in my super fund at all. Who have I left? Um, is it certain how they can make that a certain outcome? Certainly is with the binding um, death benefit nomination. So that is, um, let's use me as an example. I, I um, my wife, Sarah, um, I really don't want the super fund to have any say in who's going to get the money. I want it to go to my wife, directly to my wife. All I've really got to do is either call the super fund and request that binding nomination, or I'm sure mostly you can download them even on the on the internet in most cases, wouldn't you think? Yeah, so you need to make a, a binding nomination, as I was saying before, because binding takes the discretion away from the trustee. Yeah. Now, a binding nomination, and I can talk about Australian Super's process here, our binding nomination form uh, sets out who you nominate, what um, what position they are. So are they a spouse, yep. a child, whatever it is, how much goes to each, and uh, that's completed by you, signed by two witnesses. So you need to get two yes. witnesses to sign it. The witnesses cannot be the beneficiary. So yes, your really wife can't, can't be, oh, I'll witness me getting all this money. Yeah. Um, it's got to be external. It doesn't have to be anyone of, um, doesn't have to be like a JP or a, a chemist, with you, which what you've got to do with some no. other identification documents. It can be anyone. And as long as it's witnessed, signed by, uh, signed by those two witnesses, sent back to us, once we accept it, uh, that binding nomination in Australian circumstances circumstances will last from th for three years from the date yep. you sign that form. 
So uh, we put a time frame on it. Not every super fund does. It's up to the, the super fund. The reason we put a time frame on it is we want it to be updated because yes. sometimes your best laid plans go awry. So a three-year process prompts you potentially uh, yeah. to change it. Um, so, And we remind members... Uh, when their three years is coming up and actually we show when their three years is going to run out on their, their statement each year as well. Yeah, that's a great thing because, well, for a start, I think a lot of people um, don't quite understand the, the whole binding nomination process. Um, and I only just say that from when we have clients come in to see us um, that, yeah, there's not a lot of strong knowledge around that nomination process. And certainly not a strong knowledge around the three years. And quite often we get that question, well, why do they do that? Why can't we just nominate it? And you know, quite often we say that. It's like, well, what happens if you, if there was no expiring? What happens if you got remarried? Or what happens if you became estranged from the person that you have left the money to? You know, there'd be no way um, for the super fund to... Um, intervene there if it was still binding. That's right. And with with death benefit payments and the nomination of beneficiaries, it's only at the claim time that we look at the nomination yeah. because that's yeah. the only time it's important. So even though you might have made a someone might have made a binding nomination, we might at the time of the claim determine that that nomination was invalid. So yeah. remember this scenario before I put down my grandmother because she was financially dependent yep. on me. Um, if uh, the grandmother's circumstances have changed and she's no longer financially dependent on me, she may not be now eligible. So yeah. it, it, it's sometimes a bit of a uh, always in motion sort of thing around who's going to be paid. And binding nominations and often we find people use binding nominations for two reasons clarity of who and how much or they've got complications in their life let's call it and there's some people that might get the money that they don't want to get yeah, the money and, that's right. um, and they want to bypass the the will that's right they want to pass the film yeah different reasons for that and look in the perfect situation when we're working with our clients with their estate plan and we're also looking after their super, um, we're able to marry the two and, and quite often uh, with the solicitors, they're really keen to understand what binding nominations have been made and sometimes they would have a recommendation on how that should flow. And so it is quite a, a good thing to be able to um, ensure that they they are working together, the two doc documents. Um a couple of things I was just going to mention there, Peter, and you might have a couple as well, but a couple of other errors that we see constantly um, with documenting that nomination and getting it witnessed is everyone's got to be in the same room at the same time. So there's three people. There's the person signing it and there's the two witnesses. The witnesses actually have to witness the person signing it and so if they were witnessing them signing it and there was two people there doing it, that, they would all sign it on the same date. And quite often we'll have people return it to us and it's like, well, you've signed it on a different date to, to him. So obviously yeah. you weren't in the room at the same time. Yeah, that's common when we see that oh, I'll get this signed later by my brother because I'm going to go visit him next weekend yeah. or something and 
oh, can you just sign this and it comes back? And we'll, yeah, we'll notice the dates are different. So obviously we're witnessing um, sometimes, as I was saying before, a beneficiary will actually witness it. So because you, you put your name down, we can see, hang on, yeah. you can't be a witness and a, and a beneficiary at the same time. And so just to be clear, um, and I think we, we would all want this certainty, is the super fund doesn't say, oh, look, tell us what you really meant there. They actually rip it up and throw it in the bin and say, you need to give us a valid one. That It is invalid because it's either been dated incorrectly or the wrong people have signed it is just invalid. So That's it has right. no... It doesn't exist. Yeah, so and, and, and we, we would and we would tell them that what you sent yes. us isn't valid. Yeah, before we rip it, well, after we rip it up, before we rip it up, I don't know. But we would we'd go back to the member. And the other thing is with the binding nominations is they can become invalid. So the scenario before I had A, B, and C, a third, a third, a third. That's my binding nomination. Uh, if C goes before me, what would logic tell you that probably should do? It should be 50-50 because yeah. it was a third each. Now there's only two. It should be 50-50. We haven't got a valid nomination saying 50-50, so it would go back to trustee discretion. So, again, this is the yeah. importance of keeping uh, nominations up to date. Uh, I've got to go and do another binding nomination in my grief of losing C uh, yeah. to nominate A and B 50-50. And that's why I think sometimes when we – uh, work with clients who do have a little bit of complexity and they've dealt with that complexity in their will, um, quite often the default option, which the solicitors seem to like, is you know we've made provisions for all these complications in the will, so just get the money paid in there, get mm. it dealt with in there, which it, it's probably a great for the super fund too. They're not having to make those hard decisions there's a document to support it. But if if it doesn't go to the will, um, it doesn't, there is no document to support it except maybe off to the side and you might be able to, the super fund might read the will. But otherwise, the super fund's just got to try and do the best that they can, don't they? That's right. We've got to go on using the, the intentions that, we think we're there, but within the within the within the rules, and yeah. um, sometimes and unfortunately, death benefits often bring about disputes, and the payment of benefits and sometimes go on for months, if not years, with yeah. different people putting their hand up, disputing the amount, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The other one we often see, which is it's not wrong as such is people might put it, nominate their executor so that they want it to go to the yeah. estate, but they write the executor's name. They write, a beneficiary. They write Tim. Now, some down, down the track, Tim is no longer the executor of the will. Yeah. It's now invalid because there is no Tim the executor because it's now Susan the executor. Yeah. So yeah. Um, writing executor or estate uh, – nominating that as your legal personal representative allows for some fluidity in changing roles of um, of who's who's there. Well, that's been a great um, session, Peter, just uh, going through really uh, what is um, one form, but a really, really important form. As I say, for a lot of people, it's the biggest, single biggest liquid asset that they have. Um, and just considering where you want that to go and having certainty about it, um, I would think is is high up on people's priority. Um, is there anything else you'd sort of like to mention to our listeners, Peter? 
No, no, I think that's probably, I think we, we, we covered it fairly well with what mostly comes up when, when talking to members. Um, yeah. But personally, I, I've got a couple of personal things at, at the start. Um, I'm a cat person. I like cats more than dogs. <laughs> um, I barrack for Richmond. So um, in the AFL, I'm based in Melbourne. So been fantastic so far. This year's looking a bit dodgy. Um, I still play golf a lot and I still play old man football. So um, it's been challenging the last two years with various COVID rules. Yeah. Uh, But that's sort of a a little bit more about, about myself. Oh, that's great. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for the opportunity. See you. The information in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your own financial objectives, circumstances and needs. You should consider your own personal situation and requirements before making any decision. If you have any concerns or questions, please contact me. Well, it was a bit of a technical chat with Peter, but one that affects all of us and one that we all need to get our head around at the end of the day and making something happen is really not difficult. So here's some steps. I'm just going to want to leave you with a few quick steps here. Calling your super fund uh, or finding out from them, do you actually have a nomination? Have you left a nomination? Now, they'll be able to tell you over the phone. They might be able to tell you online if you've got online access to your super. It certainly will be on your statement and statements are probably starting to come out around now. We're in August. So they're going to be coming out in August and September. So make a point. Uh, Look into this. Have you made a nomination? If you have made one, is it binding? Or has it already expired? Has the three years expired and it's gone non-binding? And then, of course, if you've done those two things, who have you actually nominated and thinking through what Peter said there. Do they fit that eligibility? Is it going to cause problems? It really is a straightforward job to sort out. Um, It's really easy to get download a form from any superannuation fund website or request it from them over the phone. They'll email it out to you and simply nominate who you want to receive the funds. Ensure they meet that criteria And if you get that properly witnessed and back to your fund, you're going to be covered. Otherwise, as Peter said, the amount of hoops they need to jump through to try and get those funds paid to the correct people, it's immense. And you're going to subject your family to that potentially. That's the end of another show. Remember, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. See you later.